Hey there, it's your old pal Josh, this week's curator of SYSK Selects. And this week I've selected how breast implants work. Uh, it's a pretty great vintage episode. Uh, it has it all, science, pop culture, history, surgery, all sorts of weird stuff. And this episode is the origin of when I realized that Chuck says the word tattoo really oddly. So enjoy it. Take care. Tattoo. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and Jerry's over there. So you got the three uh, muchachos together? <laughs> muchachos. Well, muchachos and muchacha. Yeah. Is that right? Is muchacha a girl? Muchacho. It makes sense to be muchacha. Probably. That's generally how it works, right? Yeah, but I also may have just made up a word in Spanish. That's, it could be a snack food. <laughs> Muchachos. <laughs> the saltiest. Uh, anyway, this is Stuff You Should Know. And we want to extend a uh, extra hearty welcome to all the additional 12-year-old boys who are listening to this one. <laughs> we want to apologize in advance for disappointing you because you're going to be sorely disappointed. Yeah. And I would like to insert a quick COA. Okay. For myself. Um, we're going to be talking about breast implants, and I'm going to try not uh, uh, pepper the show with my own opinions, <laughs> because we have the to each his own decree here. For sure. And I'm just going to go ahead and say out front, I'm not into it. I wish people would just learn to love themselves, but I get it. And if someone feels better to do something like this, then then that's fine. No judgment here. Yeah. Um, Who are we to judge? Yeah, it's going to be tough in the parts about like the string. Uh, what was that one called? The string implant. It's dead and gone. Yeah, but still, we got to cover it. Well, and yeah. You might hear some derision in my voice. A little like. <laughs> <laughs> but again, if a string implant is what uh, those women wanted to feel better, then then you have to go to an underground doctor to get it now. Well, you do now. Yeah. And of course, we're gonna. You know, it's not just like. Uh, just augmentation, like, you know, mastectomies and men can get breast implants. So we're going to cover the whole gamut. Yeah. You're giving a lot away here. People know. The whole, the whole farm. People know. People are going <laughs> to, they're not going to want to buy the cow because you just gave them all the milk. Hey, this, this milk and the cow are both free anyway. Yeah. So let's do it. That's my little COA. That was good, Chuck. Thanks. Um, we are talking breast implants and we are going to, uh, explain everything there is to know about breast plants. Breast implants, not breast plants. <laughs> That's a, uh, it's a subtropical species of yeah. carnivorous plant. Yeah. Um, that looks like a breast. Oh, is that where it gets its name? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I want to have, I have a little intro. Okay. So, um, have you ever heard that in France, the perfect breast fits into a champagne glass? I have not heard that. So Yumi told me this, and an I was like, what are shape. you talking about? <laughs> a flute? I thought that at first, too. And she's like, no, not a flute, you dummy, a coop. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I, was, I was thinking that's <laughs> exactly. a very odd a banana It's a weird shape. Yes, it would be a little weird if that were the case, but a champagne coupe. Okay. So she looked it up and was showing it to me. And while we were, um, while we were looking at that, we found another axiom that was possibly even more true. That in America, somebody commented underneath this. In America, the 
perfect breast clogs a toilet. Doesn't fit into a champagne coupe. It clogs a toilet. That's an axiom? It is, according to this commenter who made it up. I did not know that. I it, I think the commenter made it up as a joke. Okay. And it was a pretty funny joke, if you ask me. I thought I was going to get a bigger response from you, but... Whatever. No, that was good. I'll live with what I got. Um, the point is, is if in America that is the standard, breasts so big that they clog toilets, that's a pretty high bar to set, especially naturally, which is probably yeah. why some women turn to breast implants. Yeah, and speaking of America, this seems like a good place for that. Um, they top the list in the number total number of breast implant operations. Um, but if you want to go per capita, they're number five. And the first four are Brazil, Greece, Italy, and Colombia huh. per capita. Okay. Which is, to me, what matters. Per capita? Sure. Okay. Obviously, we have the most because we have more people right. than in those other countries. I am surprised that we're number five. I would think we'd be higher than that. You know it's number 10 per capita, of course? What? Canada. Is that right? Yeah. They're like comfortably <laughs> in the middle. Exactly. Although, no, that's still pretty high toward the top. Although I guess it'd be about in the middle if you just did industrialized countries. Yeah, true. So anyway, there's my stat. That's a great <laughs> stat. I've got another one for you, Chuck. Um, breast implants was the number one elective surgery in 2012 in the United States. In Ahead 2000, of lipo? In 2011, it wow. was lipo, but uh, breast implants, breast augmentation um, beat it out in 2012. By nose. I don't know how many, probably by a nose, because in 2011, it was 300,000 and change liposuctions. Mm-hmm. And in 2012, there were 330,681 breast augmentation surgeries in 2012, right? according okay. to the Wall Street Journal. You know, and, if that was a rhinoplasty stat, that would have been a great joke. By a nose? By a nose. <laughs> would have been. You know? Yeah. I bet that's on top five. I would guess so, sure. In fact, I bet that's number three. Uh, there's uh, several ways to find out. Should we? No. Man, this thing's all to a <laughs> rocky start. I'm just guessing. Okay, I'm, so... I'm wagering. Let's talk breast implants. Okay. Before, before we talk implants, Chuck, we should probably talk about... Well, you want to talk about the history of them? Yeah. That's a good place to start. Yeah. At so, the beginning. Uh, apparently, a guy, a doctor named... Uh, two doctors named Frank Garrow and Thomas Cronin... Um, came up with the idea, and Garrow specifically squeezed a plastic blood bag one day and remarked how much it felt like a breast. Right, and that was uh, 1960-ish? Um, Circa, yeah, 1960. Yeah. And so he had the, that apparently was the quote-unquote aha moment, like, hey, we should do this. So they tried it out on a dog named Esmeralda. Yep. And, uh, and not obviously, you know, they were just inserting it into a body. They weren't like, hey, let's give this dog boobs. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? They just... I've always wanted to see what boobs look like on a dog. So they wanted to just uh, see if it worked. And, and it, apparently it took enough to where they were like, hey, I think we can try this on a person. Yeah, Esmeralda chewed at her stitches, so they had to remove it after a couple of weeks. But, I, I mean, other than her. that, they were they – were, it was definitely an improvement on um, what had been an innovation among Japanese prostitutes during World War II. Yeah. Because American GIs – Again, boobs that clog a toilet. Um, they uh, apparently the Japanese prostitutes said, "Hey, these guys like big boobs. Let's give them big boobs. Let's steal some medical grade silicone from the docks of Yokohama." I thought it was sponges. That that was something. Okay. But they also did they, silicone. Yeah, they, they self injected silicone directly into their breasts, 
which apparently worked, but it also gave them things like gangrene, thanks to silicone rot at the site of injection. Mm. There was a lot of hematomas. Yeah. Very bad news stuff. Yeah. But there was a, it showed this desire to increase breast size. Right. And these guys in the early 60s came in to deliver. That's right. Uh, and they did it in a sort of a weird way. There was this woman named uh, uh, Timmy Jean Lindsay in 1962, a mother of six in Houston, Texas. And she had a tattoo of a rose vine on her breasts that her boyfriend talked her into, <laughs> broke up with the boyfriend and was like, I kind of really don't want this anymore. Mm-hmm. Went in to get the tattoo removed and she had to change to wino forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um why are you saying tattoo? Huh? <laughs> I've well, always said that. It's tattoo. Tattoo, no? I not I mean no. Oh, okay. I mean if you say it like that again to each his own. If you want breast implants, <laughs> fine. If you want to say tattoo, fine. <laughs> right. But I couldn't just sit here and pretend like I didn't notice that you were saying tattoo. I've said that plenty of times and you've ignored me, so Are you sure? Yeah. All right. All right, so anyway. She went in to get the tattoo removed. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> go back. Go back to tattoo. I feel okay. too guilty when you say tattoo. To get it removed. And, what? um. What'd she get removed? The tattoo. Okay. And she said that, um, they said, hey, we got this new thing, uh, called breast implants. Would you like to try it? And she said, well, uh, my ears stick out too much. If you, if you pin my ears back some, I'll let you use me as a guinea pig, basically. She knows how to bargain. Yeah, and that's what happened. That's the first breast implants were yeah. sort of a bargain like that. She went from a B cup to a C cup. That is correct. And um, this was at a time when women wore pointy cone bras and stuff like that. It was There was a, a big emphasis on big boobs. Marilyn was big. Yeah, they had falsies even, like the padded bras. Yeah. So there was, I mean, this desire to increase your bust size. Sure. And to do it permanently, it was there, and it just kind of took off like a rocket ever since then, ever since the, the yeah. first procedures. The problem is, is there were all sorts of lawsuits uh, associated with it, too, especially because they were using medical-grade silicone uh, that's derived from silicon. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a, a mineral yeah. that apparently makes up about 14% of Earth's crust, huh. mixed with oxygen to create silicone, yeah. which is was originally a trade name of this medical-grade silicon gel um, created by GE. Yeah. And the early implants would rupture, and there were a lot of lawsuits against some of the manufacturers, specifically Dow, who shelled out like $3 billion in, um in payouts in just wow. like the course of a decade. Yeah, and... Well, I guess we may as well go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. In 1992, mm-hmm. they finally, FDA said, actually, they, they put a voluntary moratorium. They were like, basically asked, can you stop making them? And doctors, can you stop using them? Right. Except in certain cases. Yeah, like... Um, there was re- in- inconclusive studies, basically. They never found, like, hard proof that it could cause illness. Mm-hmm. But um, it was enough, uh, I guess, in conclusion... To say maybe we shouldn't push on with this. Yeah, because the when the when the implant ruptures and it's silicone, the body absorbs the silicone, yeah, and they're it's like, it's just there. Well, what happens to the body after it absorbs the silicone? What happened? Right. So since no one knew, they created that moratorium in 2006. The FDA finally said there's no evidence that th- this is bad. Right. 
So you can go back to silicone. And now silicone implants make up 72% of the implants. Oh, you can get them without any special cases now even? Yeah. Oh, okay. In 2006, they lifted the moratorium. Oh, gotcha. Because for a while, it was just like um, if you had a mastectomy or um, if you were willing to complications. Be, if you were willing to be part of a, um, a, a study, study yeah. going on five to ten years. Um, and the reason why silicone was so popular and the reason actually they lifted the ban ultimately, aside from the fact that they never found any um, – real provable medical problems from it is that it's apparently far superior to the alternative, which is saline filled bags. Yeah. They say apparently the silicone uh, feels better, looks better. It just lo- it's more natural looking. Apparently it moves. <laughs> and, oh my God. I can't believe I just did that. Uh, the, in the saline is just kind of like a water filled <laughs> implant. Yeah. Should we tell everybody? Josh is talking with his hands. That's all we'll say. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is not a video podcast, so that's okay. Yeah. All right, so... so Silicon um, is back. I don't, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, B- back in a big way. 72%, man. Wow. That's a, that, that's a significant amount of 330,681. <laughs> um, so let's talk about, before we get into like how breast implants work and how they're inserted and, and all that kind of stuff, let's talk about the breast itself. Okay. Um, the anatomy of the breast, as it will. Apparently, you can... Break a breast down into two different, and by the way, only women have breasts. Men don't have breasts. Right. Um, but you can break a breast down into two separate parts. There's the structural component, mm-hmm. and uh, then there's the epithelial component. That's right. And that produces the milk. Uh, the structural component is um, ligaments, uh, fatty tissue. Mm-hmm. Um, there are There is muscle, but not actually as a part of the breast. It's behind the breast. Exactly, yeah. And there's a there's a ligament that kind of works to to keep the breast su- suspended, supported. It's okay. called the Cooper's ligament. Yeah, Coop, I looked into that guy, by the way. And what was he like? He was he was just very big on describing anatomy in the you know mid 1800s, and he's got a lot of stuff named after him. Oh, really? A lot of diseases, a lot of body parts. Cooper's ankle. Cooper's ligament is one of them. It's just the ankle, but he. Pointed it out first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that is, is they kind of, uh, call these muscles in the ligaments sort of like a natural brassiere. Yeah. To help, uh, keep the breast up. Right. Um, and then there's the milk producing and delivery system, milk production and delivery system. It, it's the epithelial component. You've got, um, apparently 15 to 25 lobes. Yes. Are what they're called. Um, and they're arranged kind of like a flower around the center of the breast. Yeah. So if someone says your breasts are like a flower. They're, they're complimenting your lobes. Exactly. And that's anatomically correct. Right. Um, you can still smack them in the face, though, if you sure. want to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the lobes can further be broken down into lobules, mm-hmm. which are kind of like clusters of grapes. And there's a lot of these um, per lobe. Yeah. Right? Uh, and then at the end of the lobules, there's dozens, each lobule has dozens of bulbs, and that's where milk is produced. That's right. They're connected to ducts called the uh, lactiferous sinus, and that carries the milk to the nipple. Mm-hmm. And of course, the nipple is surrounded by the areola, yep. which is that uh, dark tissue around the nipple at the front of the breast. And there you have it. Yeah, that's breast 101. That's the breast. And yeah. then behind it, you've got the pectoral muscles, the... Um, Major and the minor, pectoralis. Uh, and then the rib cage behind that. 
So that's the anatomy of a breast. That's right. Got it? Yeah, they are, uh, since we're talking size, obviously, with augmentation, um, it is not a scientific thing, but you generally go by bra size, how they're manufactured, mm-hmm. is by uh, diameter and in inches around the rib cage, under the breast, and then the old letter indicating the cup size. Yep. So, in other words, like uh, AA or AA, all the way up to... It says in the article, double D and beyond. Yeah. <laughs> like some fantastical like, realm. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now we understand the breast and bra size. Yeah. And by the way, it's hereditary. Probably if you look at your mom and your grandmom, it's probably what you're, what you're heading towards um, later in life. Right. There are things that you can do to, to impact your breast size positively or negatively, depending on your opinion. Sure. Weight. Yeah. Um, some things that you can control, like... Um, menstruation, menopause, pregnancy all affect breast size. Yeah, and guys hear a lot about, and actually girls too, hear a lot about this if you uh, have a girlfriend or a wife. Yeah, but just becomes a common topic of conversation when sure. you like live with somebody for long enough. Well, breasts. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're a thing. They're there. They are there. Um, that's a t-shirt. <laughs> it's a movie. So, Chuck, now that we have uh, the anatomy of the breast. Yeah. Um, let's talk about breast implants themselves. Yeah, the actual thing that is implanted. Right. Some people might not know this. I thought everyone knew, you know, has has seen them before, but it's not... Uh, <laughs> has felt them? <laughs> has slept with them on their pillow? It's not uh, It's not just a, like an, an injection or something. It is an, or it's not a pill you take. It's an actual physical... <laughs> wait, wait. Who thought it was a pill? There's one dude out there that thinks it's a pill. Oh, well... <laughs> Todd, it's not a pill. Uh, it is an actual uh, sac. It, it is an elastomer shell, which is an elastic polymer shell. Right. And it is uh, generally these days they are empty at first, and it's and and they're not full. Although that, it depends. Well, it depends on what you're after. Obviously. Well, you have the empty kind that they usually roll up when inserting, which we'll get into. Yeah. Or you have the um, pre-filled. Yeah. Which are not pre-filled to their final. Destination? Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're, um, they're like a certain size. They can get to a certain size. I think those have fallen out of favor somewhat, but I'm, I'm sure. Is that right? Well, yeah, mostly they're, they're not pre-filled these days. Well, there's a lot of benefits to not having pre-filled again, which we'll get into in a little bit, but okay. Um, the size then would not have to do with what they're already filled with, but what they're finally going to be filled with. And that's usually measured in uh, cubic centiliters, right? Yeah. CCs. CCs. And, uh, uh, one cup size, um, for every 175 to 200 CCs. And I guess this is where we should talk about the rice test. Okay. Um, it, if you want to know what your breasts are going to look like, yeah. or if you were a man who always wanted to know what it would look like if you had breasts, you Buffalo can, Bill style. <laughs> you can, um, do something called the rice test. That's right. They, apparently, this is the best way to tell. Um, you cut a 12-inch length of pantyhose, although they say you can use like baggies or whatever, but pantyhose is probably the most realistic. Sure. Tie a knot in one end and then use a, a chart, um, which you can find online, to basically fill with uh, rice to estimate what you will look and feel like. Uh, for instance, about a half a cup is 125 cc's of volume, uh, about 0.6 is 150 cc's and on up, and you can find the chart online. Just under three cups, 700 cc's. That's a lot. That's three cups of rice. <laughs> um, 
And remember, it doubles in your stomach, so you'll feel full. <laughs> uh, so they say they they recommend to like uh, put it in a sports bra, wear that, wear it around, exercise in it, run errands, do whatever you normally might do to get the look and the feel yeah. of like, hey, this is what I'm going to look and feel like, and you know. Should I continue? Should I not? Right. Are these too big? Are they too small? Ask the grocery store clerk who's checking you out. (laughs) They're fine, ma'am. Right. Uh, It's just rice, everybody. (laughs) Well, they also say you can use water, um, instant mashed potatoes, and oatmeal instead of rice. I could see instant mashed potatoes being really good because aren't they like flaky? It's flaky potatoes. Yeah. I could see that. Rice is, that's, I mean, that's hard. Yeah, that's true. But, um, they should call it the instant mashed potato test. <laughs> I think that's why they didn't. So anyway, that's apparently how you, uh, and it's obviously you want to work with your doctor to, um, kind of like singles. Remember that movie? When Bridget Fonda goes in for breast implants and Bill Pullman essentially talks her out of it. Uh, I forgot that part. Yeah. But you're going to do that. You're going to work with your doctor on appropriate sizing. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be like weird science, you know, where <laughs> you just like click on the mouse until they're <laughs> tremendous. And large. Yeah. Um, With some 80s graph. Yeah, exactly. Behind it, yeah. But you want it, you just want an appropriate size for your frame, basically. Because not only just for looks, but for, you know, can you support it with your body frame? Well, yeah. That weight. Not just that. I mean, not just like the extra pressure that's going to be put on your back and shoulders and all that. But, I mean, like your your skin itself may have trouble supporting the breast implants, which is definitely something to consider as well. Yeah, and this article says generally they come in three sizes, but that's just not true. There's like 450 sizes. Well, I look, this article was written, I think, in 2003 or four. And, okay. I mean, it's definitely breast implant, breast augmentation surgery has increased by leaps and bounds since then. Um, I've seen up to 450 different varieties, and I think that's combinations of shape, size, that kind of thing. Yeah. But, yeah, there's a lot of different sizes. Um, mainly the the sizes, again, it has to do – it's measured in cc's. Mm-hmm. The shape, there's still typically just two shapes that I ran across. Yeah. There's round, and then there's a teardrop, which yeah, is contoured. also called contoured. Yeah, Yeah, and basically one, the round – I guess it depends on who you're talking to. They can be more popular in that they're fuller and uh, there's more cleavage and there's more lift, but they don't look as real. The The teardrop shape mimic the anatomy of a natural woman's breast more. So some women might favor those if you want to look more natural. Right. Um, but round is the most commonly used, I believe. Well, I don't know if it still is. I'd take issue with that. Okay. I think that's a 2003 statement. Gotcha. Um, again, though, it has to do with uh, what what shape you choose. Mm-hmm. You know, not just what you want, how you want it to look, but I mean, the surgeon needs to have some input here too. Yeah, and if you get a good surgeon, they're going to guide you in the right direction. You know, that, that's their part of the job. Right. It's not just to perform the surgery; it's the consultation and advice and all that good stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, and since they're plastic surgeons, to look good doing it. Yeah, and if they're not doing that, that means it's a bad plastic surgeon. Did you see Rob Lowe in Liberace? Yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> well, was, there were some real decisions made for his character yeah. and his look and this. Well, that's what that guy looked like. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, look him up. He's, he was creepy looking. I will. I will. Is he still alive? Because if so, sorry for what Chuck just said. <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
but yeah, that was plastic surgery gone bad for sure. Yeah. Uh, texture is another, uh, decision that you're going to have to make in addition to shape and size. And, um, basically there's smooth and there's textured and, um, each has their pros and their cons. Um, textured implants, we should say when you, when you have breast surgery, something, um, that's going to happen is scar tissue is going to develop. Yeah. No matter what. Anytime you introduce a foreign object into your body, your body basically defends the rest of your body against it by forming scar tissue around it and basically compartmentalizing it. Um, and in the case of breast augmentation surgery, this is called a capsular contracture. Yeah, and it's going to happen. Yep. Don't be freaked out if it happens because it's going to happen. It's just the degree to which it happens could become problematic. Right, in and there's, cases. there's post post-implant surgeries that can take place to remove some of the excess scar tissue if too much happens or your breasts become too hard as a result. Yeah. But you're right. It is going to happen. And um, some implants have been created to, I guess, make the most out of this. Textured implants are designed so that the scar tissue basically grips the implant and holds it in place. Yeah. And I also got the idea, too, that less scar tissue will form because it sticks to the implant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the body just thinks, okay, this is working. My job's done. Exactly. Um, there are some drawbacks to textured implants. Apparently, they're not quite as realistic in their movement, look, feel, that kind of thing. Yeah, and they're more likely to rupture, too. Yes. Which is not good. Smooth implants, um, they actually will move around inside the um, capsular contracture, the scar tissue yeah. sac that um, that develops. Um which is good for look, feel. It's much more natural. Yeah. The problem is, is that since it can move around, if you have something like a, uh, if you choose a contour or teardrop shaped breast implant, uh-huh. if that thing flips upside down, your breast looks deformed now and you have a problem. Yeah. Or it can cause something called rippling, which we'll get into the, the problems that can arise uh, later on. Yeah. Um, and there's this lady in Akron, actually, Ohio. It's probably a good time to mention this. She is trying to develop a breast implant that actually, um, well, it can accomplish a lot of things. As she calls it the breast implant of the future. It can emit <laughs> basically the drugs that they give people orally. She is trying to build into the implant itself to emit these drugs awesome. naturally. Wow. And uh, she thinks one day breast implants can be, can actually detect cancer cells if her research is, you know, if she gets to that point. If I have the funding. Yeah, well, that's exactly. what she's, she's looking for two million. <laughs> I've bucks. got the breast implant in the future. <laughs> I just need the funding. But um yeah, she's 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 working hard to try and reduce things like the inflammatory response and scar tissue yeah. by building it into the breast implant itself, wow. which is pretty cool, I think. Yeah. And then Chuck, we kinda already talked about it, but another choice is whether you're gonna have pre filled or yeah. unfilled or also known as expandable. That's right. Um, implants. Yeah, the Spectrum Expandable is sort of like a test drive almost, where you have the implant put in, there is a three-part valve system in your armpit where you actually can fill and release and extract some of the saline, or I guess silicone. I don't know if they can do that for silicone. Uh, I know yeah. they can for can they? It's gel. I, I think you can, yes. Well, basically, it's like a test drive. They put it in, and they can make them larger or smaller through your armpit until you're satisfied. It's kind of like doing the rice test, but a couple steps further. <laughs> More than a couple. Because <laughs> you're out there walking around saying, what do you think? Yeah, and you've got a port in your armpit. Right, but then after you say, 
this is it. This is the right size. They remove the port. So obviously there's a bunch of choices. Mm-hmm. And you, the patient, the person who is getting the breast implant, uh, have a lot of things to decide. But then once you've decided all that, it's up to the surgeon to make some uh, another series of decisions. And we'll get into the procedure uh, right after this message break. All right, so back to it, Chuck. Let's talk surgery, huh? Yes. Um, all right, the most important thing they say with a breast implant is not all the other decisions you've made up until this point. But location, location, location. <laughs> it really is. It's the skill of your surgeon with the placement of the implant. Yeah. Because that's where things will generally go wrong. And there are three choices, uh, subglandular, subpectoral, and submuscular. Yeah. And again, like with everything else, there are advantages and disadvantages to all three. Yeah. Um, um, subglandular is behind the mammary gland in front of the muscle. Um, it's the least complicated. You're going to get out of there and recover quicker. Um, it's If you're athletic, it's probably has some advantages. But um, you have an increased chance for that capsular contracture we were talking about. You might be able to see it sometimes, which is not good. Like and through the skin. Yeah, and it's more vulnerable because it's just kind of right there behind the skin. Plus also there's um, very little besides the adipose, the fatty tissue, holding it in place. Yeah. Um, so it can produce that rippling thing, which is a, a sagging that produces basically, um, oh, what's that called? Like, uh, on your skin when you, when you gain weight and then lose it? I don't know. Stretch marks. Oh, yeah. It looks kind of like that, but I think they're deeper. Okay. Um, subpectoral's next. Subpectoral, uh, is, so you remember at the back between the adipose, uh, and the uh, chest wall, you've got your two pectoral muscles. Yeah. Um, the one in front, the bigger of the two, the pectoralis major, um, is goes in front of the implant, and the pectoralis minor goes behind it. Yeah, so it's sort of sandwiched in the middle there. Yeah, you, you have to cut the muscle, put the implant in between them, and then lay it back down. Yeah, and it is, um, it's going to reduce the risk of that capsular contracture and uh, rippling, which is good. Uh, but of course, your recovery time is going to be a little bit longer. It's going to be a little bit more painful. Anytime they're manipulating muscle, it's going to be pretty painful. Yeah. And there's going to be more swelling and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the implant can also kind of droop. There's still a risk that it's going to pull down because there's, it's held in place more than it is with the subglandular. Yeah. Um, but less than the submuscular. This is if you want your implant to not sag. Yeah. You want to go with the submuscular, the third type. Yeah, that is behind, fully behind the chest muscle wall. And, um, it has some great advantages, like it doesn't get in the way of mammograms. Which is a big deal. Yeah, it's a big consideration for sure. Yeah, silicone and saline implants, um, placed in front of or between the muscles can mess with mammograms. Yeah, and you need to tell, by the way, I'm sure you probably know this if you have breast implants, but you should always tell, uh, your doctor. Right. You know, if they don't know when you go to get a mammogram. Yeah. Because they have different procedures and techniques that they can, like, work around and stuff. Yes. So, those are the three types of, three implant locations. Yeah, and the recovery for the last one is even longer, but it has the same complications as the subpectoral. Anytime you have to incise muscle and manually adjust it, you're going to have a recovery time involved. That's true. Man, that's got to hurt. Um. Should we talk about, uh, we've got to talk about the, the polypropylene real quick, just 
because even though it's not around anymore. The string implant? Yeah. Yeah. It was developed by a guy, a doctor named Dr. Gerald W. Johnson. Mm-hmm. And um, the quote from this article says it was designed to yield extreme, almost cartoonish breast sizes. And um, <laughs> it basically, the pop, uh, polypropylene um, absorbed fluid over like constantly over time and the breast never stopped growing and um it has been banned since 2001 by the fda and uh although they say it was very popular among adult entertainers for a while yeah and um yeah it's this is where i get a little judgy (laughs) it's really weird looking oh you you saw sure pictures yeah and uh i don't get it at all is it cartoonish yeah very much so yeah um so okay, that's my only judgment. Nice. Yeah, research. My only judgment is I don't get that one. <laughs> researching this article, I wanted to be like, I'm researching breast implants. I'm not a creep. <laughs> right. People walk by your desk. Yeah. Um. So Chuck, let's talk. Let's talk procedure. Okay. We're uh we're in the operating room. All the decisions have been made. Mm-hmm. Uh, pre-op has been done. Prep. Um, and the surgeon's going to start by making an incision. And um, there's really basically four types of incisions that are favored among uh, breast augmentation procedures. Yeah. Um, you've got the periareolar, which is apparently one of the most common ones. But to me, it seems spectacularly it – has it's it, like there's a lot of room for complications. You think? Yeah. What they're doing – I looked this up. The, the article doesn't do this justice. The incision is made at where the areola, mm-hmm. which is where the um, it's the uh, brown tissue that surrounds the nipple. Yeah, we talked about that. Okay, so um, it's it's where the areola meets the regular um, colored pigmented skin of the breast. Yeah, um, but the whole areola is cut and pulled out. Yeah. And then the the um, the using a, a sterile sleeve wrapped around it, the implant is put in through that hole in the front of the breast. Yeah, and then unrolled and the sleeve is removed. Um, but you're going around the uh, milk ducts and the all of the uh, the epithelial system of the breast. Yeah, it just seems like you're ex- you're exposing some really important stuff um, to a lot of <laughs> potential damage. Yeah, you know, either mechanical or through infection or whatever. I just don't see much reason aside from the fact that it uh, it's very difficult to see the scar because you're doing it where the pigmentation changes, so it's hard to see that difference in, in that that scar. Yeah, well, it also allows for more precise placement of the implant. I see that, and um, I think it's you know. There's there surgeons doing this. It's not you, so <laughs> right. I know it freaks you out, but <laughs> right. I think it's the most common for a reason. Okay, so um, that's one. Yeah, but that allows for uh, subglandular, subpectoral, and, uh, and submuscular placement. So that's the other advantage is you have all your options open. Yeah, um, there's also the uh, inframammary fold incision. This one makes sense. Yeah, that also allows for all three um, placement types, and that is that is just under. The breast, so the scarring is, is you know not as visible, obviously. Yeah, usually it's where the crease is. Yeah. The the big disadvantage to this one is if you are going up so much mm-hmm. in in cup size, um, if you're going up a lot, the surgeon's going to have to create a new crease for your breast. Yeah. And when making that incision, since you want the incision underneath the breast, you got to stop talking by with the your breasts. hands. 
<laughs> hidden by the breast. Um, he has to guess where that breast is going to hang now and make the initial incision accordingly. Yeah, that's when it's... So there's a lot um, of guesswork there. Well, not guesswork, but... Uh, because that makes it sound like well, educated. Well, I guess guesswork. that looks good. <laughs> well, no, he has to be like, where is this going? It's to a for, fall? It's a forecasting. Yeah, educated like, guess. Yeah, very educated guess. Though. <laughs> um, then there's transaxillary incision, which is through the armpit. Yeah, there's no breast scarring at all. Obviously, um, it's more of a challenge uh, because placement's pretty difficult. Um, they use an endoscope, and that is not the most uh, that's not the strangest place. No. The strangest place is through the old belly button. The tuba incision. You can actually get a breast implant through your belly button. Yeah, and apparently you can get a lot of surgeries through your belly button, I think. Maybe that's why it's there. Um, maybe. that's <laughs> the, It's the new port. Yeah. Um, tuba stands for trans-umbilical breast augmentation. Uh, and that's a tuba incision, the belly button incision. And um, basically they cut into the navel mm-hmm. at the top at the ridge and then go they burrow all the way up to each breast so it makes a v yeah through your subcutaneous fat yeah like charles bronson in the great escape yeah and and then yes and then they use um a, uh, an endoscope mm-hmm. to basically tunnel their way through and see that they're going the right way and they push the implant up through there and inflate it yeah yeah, that sounds like guesswork. <laughs> yes, but apparently that's the one that has the least complications. Yeah, there are um, a lot of limitations, though. Um, it requires an inflatable implant. Obviously, you can't go through the belly button with one that's already inflated. Mm-hmm. Um, it can only be used for subpectoral and submuscular. And if there are complications, and it seems like there are, I don't, I don't know if I should say often, but it's not rare to have complications and have to go back and have um, what they call a uh, revision surgery. Yeah. You cannot reuse that incision. No, they're going to have to make um, uh, transaxillary, periareolar, or uh, inframammary fold. Yeah, if they need to go back in again. And um, apparently it's pretty rare, like not a lot of plastic surgeons even try this one. No, I think it takes a lot of skill. And yeah. Even though the complications, the post-op complications are minimal compared to the others because your subcutaneous fat in your abdomen apparently heals very easily. Yeah. Um, just getting there is kind of a problem. So let's say your doctor's ready. You got the first incision. Um, what's up next? Uh, well, you've got your incision, and so they uh, have to cut a path through that tissue. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on which one you use, they're either going to work with the muscle or they're not. And... They need to separate and create a little pocket for it to sit in. You know, they don't just stuff it in there. Right. They need to create a space. And they have to figure out where that pocket is best going to be depending on the size, shape, everything of the breast implant. Yeah, again, an educated guess. Yes. And you've seen some surgery nightmares with breast augmentation, and that's like Dr. Quack, you know. Yeah. Dr. Nick. (laughs) Looks good. How about there? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Sometimes... um, uh, a masto, mastopexy, which is a breast lift, is performed at the same time. Or you can just have that on its own if you just want a breast lift. Right. But uh, sometimes it's used with augmentation in order to get everything in the right position. And you want, you know, the breast to be pointing in the right way. And you want the nipples and the areolas to be 
in the proper place and not looking off to the left and the right yeah, or up or down. Some surgeries require that you reposition the nipple depending on how big the implant's going to be. Yeah, and man, I saw uh, with some mastectomy surgery, sometimes they can completely remove the areola and nipple and mm-hmm. replace it Wow, onto a... Uh, uh, Augmentation. Or well, yeah, and I guess with a periareolar incision, yeah. if you're taking that whole thing off, you know, I guess you could move it to another it's place amazing. and sew it back on. Yeah, what they can do. Um, sizers uh, can aid in positioning, and that's sort of like it's attached to a tube. It's an implant attached to a tube, and that's that's almost like a live rice test. Like you don't go home with that. They just put it in there and... Mid-operation. Yeah, and see what it looks like. It's not the final implant. It's a temporary one. Yeah, and then they pull that out once they say, all right, that's a good placement for this. Mm-hmm. So just let me do it for real. Yeah. Um, and then, so if you have pre-filled implants, you have to make a larger incision. Of course. And then you fill those up to their full um, volume. And I think t- pre-filled textures, textured is even the largest. That's the biggest incision you're going to have yeah. to make. Because you, yeah, you also have to make room for this ridged implant that's already pre-filled. Um, and either way, you're going to have to either top off or totally fill up this the implant once it's in there. <laughs> top it off. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> much what it is. So, Chuck, um, we're talking augmentation. It's elective surgery, plastic surgery, and a lot of people think like plastic surgery is called plastic surgery because of its artificiality. Right. But actually, it's derived from the original Greek. Plasticos, which means uh, artificiality. <laughs> it means to mold or shape something's plastic. It's pliable. Yeah, and that's what art, that's what plastic surgeons do. Is they mold or shape things, including uh, breasts. It's it's like you said. It's not just making the cut and jamming the thing in there. They have to um, basically reconfigure what the the anatomy of the breast to to accept this new. Um, yeah, yeah, um, and it does take a, a certain amount of skill. But that's uh, that just struck me as interesting. Yeah, why um, they call it plastic surgery? And it's not all just augmentation. It doesn't all, always mean uh, you're making your breasts larger. There's also reduction, mammoplasty, which is breast reduction. Mm-hmm. If you uh, feel like you're too big and you have back problems, or for any other reason, you can get uh, breast reduction. Uh, we already talked about the mastoplexy, which is the breast lift. Right. And that's when they actually remove skin and rejoin it to lift it up. It's pretty simple, actually. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to perform it, I'm saying, but in, uh, what's the word? Concept. It's pretty simple. Right. Um, and then breast reconstruction, um, a lot of times if, uh, your breasts have been removed for mastectomy or damaged and, you know, because of some accident or something, they can actually reconstruct your breasts in a realistic fashion, right? And uh, we said women aren't the only are the only um, humans that have breasts, but there are um, elective procedures for men who want to bulk up their pecs, called uh, pectoral implants. Yeah, what did, did you watch? Uh, Entourage? No, uh-uh. <laughs> Johnny Drama. I don't think he got them, but he wanted uh, calf implants at one point. <laughs> I, I've heard of those. Yeah, calf implants. Uh, yeah. Peck implants. Come on, guys. Um, See, I can judge guys. (laughs) What are you doing, dudes? 
So well, we'll we'll say what we're doing. Um, the arm it's done with an armpit incision. Yeah, it's a lot like the transaxillary uh, breast implant thing yep. for women. And they go in there and lodge it behind the pec muscles to just kind of bulk them up to stick them out further. Yeah. Um, and there you go. All of a sudden, you are Charles Atlas. Yeah, or you can have reduction as a man too. If uh, you're Bob from Fight Club. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, gynecosmastia. Um, it's usually hereditary. It can be as a result of your diet, but basically, it's when guys end up feeling like they have boobs. Yeah. And feel like or do. Yeah, and it's it's an embarrassing thing, I'm sure. So you can get that. Removed. It's basically um, liposuction just under the nipple. Right, and if it's the result of a glandular disorder, they'll probably just take the glands out while they're there. And usually, it takes more than one surgery, but it can be corrected. I so wonder I if insurance that. covers that. I don't know. Hmm. Does insurance cover any kind of plastic surgery? I don't know. I, I don't. I bet you it wouldn't cover that because it's still cosmetic, you know. I don't know. I, I mean, I think you probably that, have to show that it's a medical problem, right? But I think you can, you, if you show that it, you're suffering from it psychologically, it might fall hmm. under it. I don't know. We'll find out because I'll bet you an insurance claims adjuster writes in and tells us. That's my prediction. And you know what? I was judging on the pec implants for you dudes. Sure, were. There may be uh, cases I don't know about where guys have sort of like malformed chest or something, and they just want to look normal. Yeah, but I was talking about the guys who are like. I want bigger pecs. <laughs> Still judgy. Hit the gym, man. Do uh, some uh, bench press, you know? You want to increase your pecs. Sure. So I do. Yeah. Push-ups. You, let's talk. Uh, let's Yumi sit on your back and do push-ups? <laughs> one, like one-handed. Herschel Walker style. <laughs> yeah. Supposedly, he never lifted weights. Did you ever know that? No. Yeah, he never lifted weights in his life. What Everything, did he do? He had people sit on him and do push like. 2,000 push-ups a day and stuff like that. Huh. It was all either isometrics or like chin-ups, push-ups, pull-ups. Mm. Uh, R- rolling a, uh, a tractor keg. tire over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Old school. Uh, let's talk risks, man, because this, this is, first of all, it's surgery. So there's always an attendant risk with any kind of surgery where general anesthesia is used, right? That sounds like a disclaimer. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, yeah. surgery is risky. Um, well, anesthesia is risky. Um there's also infection. Sure. Anytime you're cut open, there's a risk of infection. Uh, but then uh, breast augmentation surgery comes with its own attendant set of risks that are, um, they vary from definitely going to happen, like the uh, capsule contracture, yeah. the scar tissue, to extraordinarily rare, like uh, somastia. Yes. Did you see this? I did. It was. I had no idea that it could happen. Somastia is basically where your breasts join together as the result of an augmentation surgery, and you have one mega breast. Yeah, um, I have seen some. They make brassieres now, like post-surgical brassieres that, that try and separate them. Yeah, that try and prevent that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd never heard of that either. No, I guess they. So after surgery, do they just kind of gravitate war- toward one another? Um. Actually, I'm not sure. It just says it, it, it. It's a mistake. Yeah. So it's not like some just bad, you know, bad fortune. Right. It's actual surgical mistake. You get to own a uh, portion of the doctor's office that yeah, did this procedure so. afterwards. But uh, yeah, the implants lift off the sternum and grow together. So um, I guess the scar tissue grows together in that case. That's my guess. It's kind of like a unibrow made of breasts, but apparently, it's fairly hard to correct. Is the big problem. 
Yeah, that's that's pretty sad. Yeah. When you go in to try and make yourself look better and you feel bad about yourself already, maybe. Yeah. And then you end up like with something like this. Yeah. But these are risks you need to know about, you know. And that is the opposite of the total recall, which is three breasts. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> remember that? I forgot about that. <laughs> Man, that was a great movie. I wonder if they put that in the remake. Because that was one of the sort of goofy signature moments of that goofy movie. Yeah. <laughs> that was, you know, it was a Philip K. Dick novel. Yeah. That it, guy wrote, like, all sci-fi, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Any sci-fi movie ever was written by Philip K. Dick. Did you know that he believed he was possessed by an angel later on in his life? Really? Yeah, he came to, he, he believed that he was possessed mm-hmm. by a benevolent spirit that basically took him from being, like, a complete schlub, drug addict loser who still wrote great novels mm-hmm. to just becoming like a, a a person with a fairly normal orderly life huh uh he cleaned himself up he attributed all of it to this possession that wow. he said this happened and that was the rest of his life yeah they should make a movie about that guy i'm kind of surprised they haven't yeah. i'll bet someone does eventually he's he and then i'll sue him because it was my idea yeah you can't just say that every time sure i can it's got to be like your idea, a good idea, non-obvious. Remember, isn't that Sharknado part of the is not obvious. I know. Okay. I everyone agrees you but invented it, Sharknado. Yeah, but that's like saying they should make a modern movie on Charles Darwin. Right. I, I made that up. Right. You can't do that. I get it. I'm not going to support your lawsuit against whoever makes the Philip K. Dick movie because you're not now fund my now you're having a depressing effect on innovation. Yeah, you're right. I apologize, everyone. All right, so bottoming out, let's get back to the risks. Um, bottoming out is when the implants sit too low, the nipple rides too high, and that is a, a result of an, another mistake, basically. They cut out too large of a pocket, right? so it sits down too low. Uh, it is correctable, though, again, with a revision surgery. Yeah. There's a hematoma, yeah. which is basically blood collecting and pooling around it. Um, it can be painful. Sure. requires drainage sometimes. can be lumpy. Yeah. We talked about mammography being uh, interfered with by breast implants, which is a, a problem. But I guess there kind of there is technology then that you came across that well, can get around this. Okay. Yeah, as long as they know. But it can you know it can hide cancerous growths and X rays and you know it's uh, it definitely is something to consider. Yeah, especially if that's something that runs in your family. You yeah, um, necrosis. Which anytime you hear that word necros in anywhere. You're headed for bad times. That is tissue death. That is pretty rare, but is really serious. And it usually results in removal of the implant and like, sorry. You, <laughs> sorry. You know, you can't have breast implants. Large, right. large scars, permanent scars. Yeah. It's bad news. Um, again, the breast implant can rupture. Apparently, most implant manufacturers offer warranties for the breast, uh, the implants themselves. You got to fill out your little card. Sure. <laughs> right. And uh, you also mentioned like what magazines you like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but the there are a lot of things you can do to void said warranty. Yeah. Probably like leaning on fences is against the warranty. Just things like that. Like you you have to once you get your warranty from what this article as this article paints it. You um, basically you have breast implants now and you have to be cognizant of that. Or else you, they are at risk of rupturing. Yeah, they're not indestructible. Um, did we talk about seroma? That is just a collection of fluid, pretty minor, and they can usually just drain that. 
with a needle. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we covered both uh, Samastia and Rippling. Yeah. And those are the risks. Yep. And you got to consider all that stuff because it happens, and it's probably your worst nightmare if some of that bad stuff happens. Yep. So I think you kind of hit upon it pretty well earlier. Um, you said uh, if you're going to do this, you need to know all the risks. You should be fully informed if you're going to make a decision like this. But if you make that decision, go for it. Yeah, it's and your uh, choice in singles. Bill Pullman completely talks her out of it and basically is like, tells her how beautiful she is and how she doesn't need that kind of thing. And it's like this sweet Cameron Crow moment. Oh, yeah. He, he wasn't into to each his own. He was turning down money and a potential client trying to get a date, which he did not get. Well, I imagine Bill Pullman's pretty well off. Uh, yeah, he probably was. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think, uh, Secret Life of Walter Mitty? Can it be good or no? Uh, the trailer looks awesome. It does look awesome. It looks really, really cool. But, I mean, I've been fooled by trailers before, Chuck. I know. I've been waiting for this movie for a long time. They were going to make it with Jim Carrey like 15 years ago. Huh. I could see that. He would yeah. work. One of my favorite stories, so I'm a little bit apprehensive, but it looks good. Who wrote it? It's right there, man. Jeez, I can't even think of it. It's not. It wasn't O. Henry, was it? No. It was. Why would you bring this up? What led you to that? Uh, you were talking about singles. Oh. And I thought that Ben Stiller had directed <laughs> singles. Yeah, those reality bites. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, and it's taken be... me like uh, a lot to remind myself you're not talking about swingers. Oh, right. So all those movies, 1990s. What a waste. <laughs> um, if you, you got anything else? I don't have anything else. Oh, I have one more thing. Apparently, um, breast implants were linked to suicide and increased risk of suicide. Um after a certain amount of years of having them. Oh, really? But uh, this it just popped up in 2007, and it was found in one study, and everybody, it made the new cycle and then just went away. Yeah, and I saw, I didn't get a real accurate stat, but the woman in Akron, uh, Akron that's doing the uh, breast implant of the future estimated that about 50,000 out of 400,000 that are performed per year mm-hmm. do require, like have complications and require revision surgery. So that's an eighth. That's probably significant. Surgically speaking. Uh, I want to say also about the suicide thing, just based on my knowledge of news and journalism and stuff like that, if it just popped up once and you can't find anything else and all the reports on it or stories on anything Mm -hmm. are all within a week of one another, five years ago, six years ago, and there's no follow-up whatsoever, it it wasn't a thing. Okay. Okay. Well, that's breast implants. If you want to learn more, there's a really extensive in-depth article on the site, including flash animations of the different types of incisions. Yeah. Uh, you can type breast implant into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, and it will bring that up. And since I said search bar, it's time for a message break. Uh, and Chuck, take us out with some listener mail, huh? All right, James Thurber, by the way, Secret Life. Nice, nice one. Um, All right, this is from Todd in OKC, and this is about vulture vomit. Hey, guys, and Jerry, I just finished listening to the podcast on vultures. It reminded me of a story. A couple of my buddies were going to college at NMSU. Go Aggies. That's New Mexico State. Uh, They were driving through the desert north of Las Cruces. Uh, I've been there myself, actually. When they came across a small wake of vultures eating some roadkill, 
Two of the vultures flew away as the truck approached, but the third was just a little too slow. The poor bird cannonballed into the windshield, which instantly shattered into tiny glass cubes. Jeez. Uh, the vulture's head punched through the windshield while the rest of them stayed outside. The vulture instantly puked all over the inside of the truck <laughs> while my buddy screamed and the truck fishtailed to a halt in the middle of the highway. Well, that guy painted one heck of a picture just now. I know. Uh, when they jumped uh, out of the truck, the vulture's wings were covering most of the windshield as it struggled to get free. They ended up having to pry its head out of the windshield the handle of a shovel. And believe it or not, it managed to fly away. Aside from a leg that was dangling and apparently injured, it appeared to be okay. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Thanks for the ride, lady. Uh, now, I wasn't there, so I can't promise that the story happened exactly as it was told to me, but I can confirm that the interior of the truck smelled like buzzard barf two months later. Gross. Uh, keep up the great work. You're one of my favorite shows. Always happy when new episodes pop up on my phone, which is every Tuesday and Thursday. Time. Yeah, he has a, he's not good at recognizing patterns. He should not be surprised. <laughs> oh, there's another one. <laughs> Seems like this happens every two days. I'll let my guard down and it's Thursday. Hey! Uh, so that's Todd from OKC. Thanks, Todd. You were not the Todd that I was talking to earlier about no. the pill. That was a fictional Todd. But how crazy would that be if that Todd did think that breast augmentation surgery yeah. was carried out by pills? Weird. Weird. Write back and let us know, will you, Todd from OKC? Agreed. Uh, you know we always love to hear follow-ups about our um, episodes. You can uh, tweet them to us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at S-Y-S-K podcast. On Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash stuff you should know. Um, you can always send us an email to stuffpodcast at discovery.com or like we say in the beginning of episodes now, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 